It's now 6.02 p.m. We will call the February the 5th, 2024 Planning and Zoning Commission meeting to order. First order of business is our invocation and we'll be led this evening by Commissioner Thompson. If you all would, please stand with us. Thank you all for joining us tonight. Next order of service is our approval of minutes. Approval of the January 23rd, 2024 Planning and Zoning Commission meeting. I ask that you all take a moment to review those minutes. And I will ask for a motion at that time. Mr. Chairman, I move so approved. Have a motion to approve by Commissioner Moses. Second. Second by Commissioner Shaw. Any questions? If there are not, please cast your votes. Approval passes 7 0. Next order of business is citizens' comments. Citizens wishing to address the commission on non-public hearing agenda items and items not on the agenda may do so at this time. Once the business portion of the meeting begins, only comments related to public hearings will be heard. All comments are limited to five minutes. In order to be recognized during the citizens' comments or during a public hearing, applicants included must complete a blue appearance card located at the entry to the chambers and present it to the planning secretary. I do know that we have a couple of cards that are on our second agenda item for tonight, and they are regarding the roundabout. So those of you who filled out a card regarding the roundabout, if you would like, you can have your citizens' comments at this particular time. Um, Kevin Wilchell, would you choose to do that, or you want to wait until this agenda item comes up? Okay. Tony Turner, do you want to wait, or would you rather have your comments now? Okay, if you would, please come on up. And sir, if you would, state your name and your address for the record. Good evening. My name is Tony Ray Turner. My address is 1324 West Broad Street, Mansfield, Texas, 76063. All right, sir, you have five minutes. Thank you. Uh, the reason why I'm concerned about the roundabout is I happen to be the last house that's on that broad area that was getting the roundabout. But currently, right now, I am having problems trying to go back to Main Street. The problem is that my friendly neighbors don't respect that little lane or that area because I had a guy last night waved a pistol at me. I have no other way to turn back. He thinks I'm doing something wrong 
because first of all, the, the, the term is on the street. There's nothing posted up there. The sign say plain as day. Once you pass Bethlehem Church, the sign says 30 miles an hour. They don't do that. Then the next sign says prepare to watch cars turning. The next sign also say prepare for cars to be stopped. It says it as plain as day. It should be flashing because the proper turning for me is to get out of my driveway, to get all the way over to the far lane. When I come out, I actually only go five miles an hour because I'm afraid that if I go any faster and they see no uh, red lights on the back, showing that I'm stopping, they're going to keep coming. So I have to come out my driveway, literally go five miles an hour. They're getting ticked because I only got from here to that wall to make the turn. I don't have a lot of room. So I have to come out my driveway so slow to slow them behind me because once they pass Bethlehem Church, it's no more indication to them that they got to slow down. They are driving as fast as they can. And that's okay. Somebody should be there to monitor them, but it's not. And you can't put police 24 hours a day there because people are unavailable to do that within a city budget. I know that. But what I'm trying to say, it is dangerous. I know wrecks are happening there daily, if not weekly. And sooner or later, somebody's going to die there. And it's going to be on the hands of us because we have to know that that street has gained more traffic and that roundabout will be another, I think, another great thing. But right now, what we're doing, because when a guy's waving a gun at me, ticked off because I'm making a turn, because that's the only way I can come back to Main Street. The only other way I can come back is to go to Lydian and try to turn there, which is going to take that person off, or turn on Rudder and try to turn back. I have no other way. Initially, that was a one-to-one -one road, but as they progressed and made it double roads and all that stuff, it became a hindrance towards us citizens that's living there. And sometimes I have my kids trying to turn to go take them to school, and it's in the morning hours and the evening hours. So I'm pleased with somebody to do that because I, I think it's very serious when somebody's waving a gun at me because I'm turning. I have no other way to go back. He think I'm doing something illegal, but I'm really making a turn so I can go back. I have no other way. Thank you for listening. Thank you, sir. Yes. Commissioners, if I may. Yes, go ahead. Uh, one of the reasons why we, we spoke a little bit about bringing this uh, into the public comments portion is because um, Although it is adjacent or a issue adjacent to a zoning case, it's not particularly uh, associated with that zoning case. And so we wanted to make sure that we were having the dialogue. Uh, I do want to make sure that I state uh, I will provide our public works and our engineering groups here at the city with all of the contacts to the individuals uh, that do have issues with the traffic patterns out there today. Um, I want to make sure that I provide a resource, and I know typically we wouldn't address public comments, but I want to make sure we provide a resource. Uh, on the Mansfield website, if you go to the Public Works Department page, there is a roadway project sheet and a project labeled the West Broad Street near Retta Road and Lillian Project. It'll give you a little bit of an, it'll give citizens a little bit of an update. I'm going to, if you don't mind, I'm going to read a couple of the details here. Uh, there are some details about a planned roundabout 
Uh, those are intersection improvements that would occur at the intersection of Retta and Lillian Road. Uh, that project is currently uh, in between the 30 and 40% design phase, and what that means is the project is progressing through design. Ultimately, it will be a constructed project. Right now, the schedule is showing uh, that construction would occur uh, at the later stages of quarter three of 2024 and continue through quarter three of 2025. Um, if you go to this website, there are contact, uh, there's contact information for the project manager as well as the construction inspector that will be in charge of that project. Uh, they will have much more details about uh, those traffic improvements. It does sound like I wanna make sure that we have the conversation about do we have the appropriate signage out there today? So we'll make sure that we have those conversations. For those citizens who brought up the concern, please feel free to contact the Mansfield City Office and they can answer any questions you may have regarding that project. I believe we have no other cards for public hearing. We'll move on to our public hearing. Um, agenda item number 24-5846, public hearing on a change of zoning from SF-1222 Single Family Residential District to PD Plan Development District for attached single family residential row house uses on approximately 2.794 acres out of the Henry McGee survey, abstract number 989, Tarrant County, Texas, located at 1225 East Debbie Lane, 5E Real Estate Developer, Zoning case number 23-026. Mr. Rodriguez. All right. Thank you, commissioners. This is a case for a project called the Wyatt. This is zoning case 23026. Um, there will be a couple of references to this project. And as we have references to this project, I want us to, to sort of remember the overall siting of the project today. Um, you can see that the property is a piece of property that is behind uh, the existing Kroger at East Debbie Lane and Matlock uh, Road. And I shouldn't just say the existing Kroger, there's shopping centers uh, all adjacent to this area. Uh, and you can see the piece of property is here uh, to the rear. A couple of things that I'll point out is you can see that this piece of property does not have access to um, the development to the north nor does it has, have access to the development to the west. Uh, there is an existing um, access easement that goes uh, through this portion of the development, and that is uh, the access point that the developer uh, would ultimately use for this development as we move forward. We'll get into some more of those details as we, we go on. Um, I want everybody to take a look at the, the zoning, and uh, the zoning is currently SF-1222. That means that we're looking at 1,200 square foot lots as well as 2,600 square foot homes uh, in this area. Um, I would venture to say that this is probably a leftover piece of property that when the rezoning came in for the um, commercial center at the front, there was a, a holdout uh, and that piece of property never rezoned appropriately. Um, I think we could all look at this piece of property and say there are some siting issues that are occurring here. Um, I would definitely admit that. I think the, the developer would admit that to you. I think that to get beyond those things, uh, we wanted to talk about some of the uses that could occur at this site, and that's what we'll talk about next. So I, I sort of took a different image here. Um, I think this is one that we may be able to refer to later if there are some questions. Uh, but here's a, a bird's eye view of the site. Again, showing you sort of the, 
the situation we have today. We have a piece of property at the rear of a commercial um, development. Um, here's a little bit of a view from uh, the access point that I, I, I drew a red line to earlier, uh, showing you, you could see the fenced area there in the, the background. Uh, that is the piece of property that's in question today. So the developer has provided, this is a, a 2.49 acre site, uh, and the developer has provided a development plan that shows 25 homes uh, constructed on this site. Uh, they are using a uh, attached product, so a row house product, to come in to, to develop this site. Again, we're looking at a tight site. We're looking at a site that we wanna make sure there are still some amenities for the community. They've built those amenities with a, a shared green space in the middle. Uh, all, of this, all of the units currently uh, are accessed by this alley oops, that goes around the rear of the property. Some of the things that I'll point out while we're here is there have been some accommodations for guest parking. Um, we know that that's something that's always asked as we um, look at any new residential development that doesn't have the typical um, street parking when you have guests over. Uh, so I wanted to make sure to bring those up. Um, here's a look at the landscape plan. I think if we, we really look at, at what's being done here in the middle, you can see that there are uh, not only pathways, but there are, are open spaces, there are tighter spaces where there's a lot of landscaping, uh, there's seating built into this area. Again, trying to create that central amenity for the development uh, as uh, a resident would need as they came into to the property. Again, when you look at townhomes, row houses, or any sort of um, smaller footprint housing, you wanna make sure that you're providing those spaces that would typically, or those spaces for those activities that would typically happen within backyards, front porches, all of those kinds of things. Um, as we move forward and start looking at the elevations that the developer is, is proposing, um, I'm going to point out this here, and this is a side elevation. Uh, if we go back to the site plan, the developer has labeled certain sites as high visibility sites. I'm placing X's in all those areas. And it's sort of a, cent a, a central theme that we've, oops, a theme that we've seen uh, with developments where we've asked that those sides of buildings that are very visible from the public side or from the, um, the, the individuals experiencing this development, from their end, right, as you come into the development, you see these two X's. So we want, really wanna make sure that those side facades are um, articulated and, and provide other architectural interest. Whereas the areas in between buildings become less significant because there's less eyes on those areas. So just wanted to bring that up. You can see the difference between uh, what a high visibility side versus a breezeway or, or in between building side would look like. Um, but as you look at this development and as you look at the PD that is involved with this development, uh, the developer proposes using masonry um, materials, uh, including some stucco, um, but also making sure that there are those frontage requirements that we've all asked for of all of our row house developments, uh, those being door yards, porches, patios, stoops, uh, those types of things. You can see at these elevations, they've, they've 
illustrated door yards, but their PD allows them to use any of those frontages. Um, their PD also provides things like cornice details, uh, details for architectural standards. Um, there is a two-story model also with these, with these homes. Uh, those two-story models are those homes that are on that western edge. Uh, if we go back just a little so that we look at this view, um, that western edge would be right here. So we're making sure that we have that two-story buffer uh, that you would typically have with two-story single-family homes as you move towards that western um, shared boundary. But you'll see the same type of material mix, the same type of frontage, the same type of um, high, visi high visibility side elevation as well as um, other elevation. I, I think with this development on, on the two-story, you have uh, those on, on either end. Um, when staff was working with the developer and when we're pointing them towards other projects that we've, we've looked at as a city, uh, we've pointed out these developments that, you know, have the door yards, have that uh, public facing side that we're looking for. Um, also, you know, if you look at that image of the three story images, you can see a lot of those same characteristics being shown between developments. Um, so that gets us to our recommendation. Uh, staff believes that if this project is approved, uh, that the, develop the Department of Planning and Development Services would encourage consideration of the following. Uh, and that is that all windows fronting a thoroughfare or a civic space use vertically proportioned panes. Uh, this is an architectural detail, or this is architectural detail is consistent with the local architectural vernacular found within uh, the D downtown district, the South uh, Mansfield form based district and other PDs that have come towards the, the city. Uh, and also, um, and this is just a clarification that we need uh, something, sometimes it's something that we, we miss in the PD language and we just wanna make sure that that first floor uh, has a minimum height of uh, nine feet. So uh, with that, staff will be available for any questions. I know the developer is here and they do have a couple of sheets that they wanna go through on the, on the project itself as well, so thank you. Thank you, Mr. Rodriguez. The developer's president, you have a presentation. So if you give your name and your address for the record, and if you would, fill out a card once you're completed. Okay, great. Thank you. Uh, my name is Eric Trentlaw. Uh, my address is 1407 Huntington Drive in Richardson, Texas. Um, I guess do you want to give your name? Would you like my name as well? Graham Pierce, uh, 1401 Navajo Trail in Richardson, Texas, 75080. Um, I guess the, the idea behind this is just trying to utilize a piece of land that kind of got landlocked. Um, so we're um, kind of, we, we had tossed a lot of ideas back and forth on what we thought was best for the lot. And this is kind of what we thought is, you know, feasible for us as well as something that would make sense for you um, or the city. The biggest thing we kind of wanted to, I guess, um, kind of shed light on is the fact that it's a walkable really walkable area. Um, you have uh, Lifetime Fitness with a huge outdoor pool almost like across the street. 
you have Qdoba, Starbucks, all these across the street. I mean, it's an incredible area for walking. And so allowing us to get this additional density and these route, this row house idea, you know, we're able to create a community that is, you know, easily accessible to everything they want. I mean, you literally walk to the bank, the grocery store, get your coffee and everything within a couple minutes of walking. So that was the idea behind the, the whole the whole thing. So um, I guess with that being said, I mean, this is just a basic rundown of what we were looking at doing. Um, and then I think Graham's going to go over some of the real estate related stuff as we're looking at, you know, how we're pricing and, and kind of the economy in that area. Yeah, looking at the use, um, we felt this was a great opportunity because Mansfield as a whole, which is the next slide over, I'll get to in a second too, uh, hitting on that walkability, uh, there's not, you don't have that very much in the city. And this is one opportunity that we get to have that. And it would be a great use for this and, um, and a great, you know, opportunity for residents to come together and have more of an urban experience uh, versus a, a suburban experience, you know, and, and kind of offer something else to residents of Mansfield that there really isn't a lot of. We, I know there's, you know, some coming in, there's Parkside, uh, but this is a smaller development. It's more quaint. Um, people might like that from a privacy standpoint. And so versus, you know, 130 units over at Parkside townhomes. Um, but it's just nice to bring another type of offering to the city and to the residents of the city. Um, right now, this is just a snapshot of the market in general. Uh, you can see we've got a median sales price. This, this does include single family because we don't have a very large uh, market of multifamily. Uh, but we're at uh, 505,000 as your median sold price. Um, and uh, this is taking our latest data in December. Uh, and you've seen property, the second little section down there shows a 12-month change of property value of eight, up 8.3%. So you've seen property values increase, and, but at the same time, you only have three months of inventory, um, which has kind of come up a little bit, but I mean, almost nothing before that. It's still very limited inventory offering to the residents and potential purchasers. Um, what's the next one over? So that kind of illustrates that. And then again, looking back at walkability, uh, use walkscore.com uh, and to show that Mansfield, Texas as a whole is a, has a 25 walk score and a 33 bike score. But if you look at our precise, you know, 1225 East Debbie Lane, you have a 57. So you're over doubling your walkability uh, versus Mansfield as a whole. So again, making it really attractive to somebody who wants that lifestyle and it gives just another lifestyle and offering uh, to residents. And this is some more, it's kind of some demographic. Um, you look, look and see, you know, the age range of, of things that have sold over the same time period. You have a lot of people in their 20s and 30s that this product would likely appeal to. Um, I would also venture to say that you'd have somebody beyond that who's wanting to downsize who would be really interested in this product type as well. Uh, but doesn't necessarily want to move to like Ladera, you know, so it's just another again another offering And this just shows some various demographics to kind of again support why we think this is a really good offering uh, for this location and use for the, the property Anything else that you want to add to that? No, I think that's it. Do you all have any questions yeah. for us? We'll go through the public hearing. We'll call okay. you back up if the gentleman would right. please fill out a card for us and we'll uh, thank card. you so much Thank you. Appreciate it 
Okay, at this time it is 7.26 and we will open the public hearing. And I don't believe we have any cards for this particular agenda item. So we'll close the public hearing at 6.26 p.m. and we'll open it up to commissioner comments and questions. Starting on my right. I, I do have some questions. I think more for the developers. Um, you'd mentioned it was gonna be a gated community, or I saw that on a slide. Yeah, you can come on back up. I believe. So I'm just curious, based off of the lot location and the fact that it is behind this big development, and I know this development really well, actually. So I'm curious as to how you've visioned the residents uh, gaining access, and I'm also curious as to how, because there's really not gonna be a cut through, even though it is walkable, there's not a, they, they're literally gonna have to walk around an entire huge building and um, side building to get to anything. So, I, so one question, first question is, where, where is the gated entrance gonna be? So, can I just draw on this? I'll do, uh, let's go blue. So you have the access point here from the road that we already have the easement. Right. And then your, your gate is right here. Okay. So it'd be a sliding gate. And upon your entrance, you have, again, the nice detail of the, of the homes, you know, over here on the side here, monument sign here. We actually also have a little dog park, that we, another mm -hmm. little feature just for the uh, residents. But right along that is a pedestrian access gate. And... Actually, doesn't it come all the way out? So for access that way. Um, so you do, yes, yeah, so you would, if, like day in the life, I guess if you live down here, you could just in, you know, enjoy the pathway through your community, out, and then down So that that's way. the only access point it for is. the community? It, okay. From a pedestrian perspective, it is. Okay. Um, because we, we don't have the ability to do it on these sides right. with the adjacent properties, mm -hmm. I mean, we could, Potentially, you could potentially look at doing something over here, but we feel like this is more. If you if you walk the site, this this leads like you can see straight all the way out to Matlock, right? Right. And can, so it's can you, a up, can you go to the aerial view? I think it'll give you a better look, so where all the other buildings are placed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, you see the. You know, back here, if we did have a, an, an access, let me do a different color. Like we had an access point here or something, mm -hmm. you're kind of out to this loading area. So we felt that this was the more, you know, approach, best approach to get around to all the public areas. And I guess you still could maybe come this way, but we were trying to keep it kind of limited also as from an access point. Mm -hmm. So from a kind of a, because of where it's located, kind of the safety security aspect as well. And I feel like, you know, the idea if we weren't in this situation and we didn't back up to Kroger, right. you know, we'd probably take the fences down and, you know, you could just walk sure. wherever you wanted. Ideally, that'd be the way to go. Um, but I think with this case, just the feel and the security and the access from this front is just a lot, a lot better than it is from the backside. Okay. Uh, and then I see there is a tree line right there that backs up to, to the Kroger, and I know that you had a landscaping plan in place too. Uh, have you thought any further about some sort of buffer in between Kroger and the community? 
I believe those trees are on the exterior okay. of our fencing. Yeah, yeah they're And so those would program. likely stay in right. place where they are, because I believe they're on the exterior of this, because uh, of the landscape plan. Let's see if it shows. Yes, yeah, so see, those are shown kind of here. Okay, I see. Um, outside of our property. So those would stay where they are, and that would be a nice buffer um, for the residents here. All of these homes, by the way, all face the central kind of common courtyard area, and with that in mind. So yeah, all, and that was residents, like looking toward the back okay. of the loading dock. That was one of the reasons, too, we had the, the alley on the back side versus, you know, a different path that we had originally drawn up, just so it gives that additional buffer between their garage and, and Kroger. Where's the, here's the landscape. There we go. All right. Um, I'm just curious, one other question. I think this goes along more side of your findings in regards to pricing for what you're gonna price your product at. And this is just, I'm just curious. Uh, based on your research and what you found, do you feel that you could actually be able to market and effectively sell those properties between three and 400? I really do. Um, I reached out to the other developments. Obviously, we want to understand our competitive set and who else is selling same, you know, similar product and for what and, and the success of that. Um, our neighbor down the street that I mentioned, Parkside, they're not even there yet. Uh, I called another Ashton Woods, another builder mm -hmm. um, in Fort, uh, another development in Fort Worth, just to say, and he's like, yeah, I think I've heard about it in in a meeting, <laughs> but they, right. they didn't know, they didn't have a sales platform in place or pricing or anything. Uh, we do have another um, townhouse development um, that is west of 287 and not really in a very, not, I wouldn't say the prime of a location is this, uh, and those are on the market. I think they've been maybe delayed or something, but those have been on the market with some sales that went under contract in a very similar price point that we are. So I feel like we can achieve that. If they could achieve those sales there, mm -hmm. we would have a much, um, I mean, it's, absolutely, it's a much better location for that. Uh, so yeah, I feel very confident about that. And we also try to keep our square footage in a place that allows us to have a, a, an, a, an attractive price point. Same thoughts went toward uh, common elements and amenities. We wanted to keep it with only 25 residences and those people splitting, you know, the, uh, the HOA, because there will be some common maintenance that will be necessary. Uh, we wanted to make sure we kept that in mind to keep those dues down for people. So we kept our amenities, you know, green space and very, we really put a lot of thought into making this what can be something that's, that people would enjoy without costing too much. Fair enough. Was there any other thoughts that you could put besides townhomes on that lot? Was there any other ideas or townhomes was the only thing that came to mind? Um, yeah, I mean, we had discussed originally um, offices, some sort of office development, but I, even then, I think um, unless you have a developed practice, just signage and visibility is a problem back there. So, parking. Yeah, and as well as parking. So, sure. um, but yeah, that was that was part of the original discussion. We also feel that the neighbors on the north and the west would probably appreciate having another residential. Um, development there versus something like an office or, you know, just another neighborhood. All right. So those were our thoughts. Okay. Well, thank you. I appreciate you explaining.
thank you very much. Commissioner Goodwin? I have a couple of questions on the uh, residential egress. Once the uh, resident departs the property line, is there a possibility or maybe a provision for some type of protected walk lane, uh, a sidewalk or something that's uh, curbed to just keep people from, get cars from you know, interfering with that path or even parking on that path? I can see just, uh, I can see kids walking to school. I always use that as a, as, as a barometric pressure on this, you know, okay, are they going to back up here? Are they going to stop and not be, feel safe being dumped into, the, into those lanes? Uh, your thoughts on that? Yeah, that, that's definitely a good question. Um, I mean, we don't own anything outside that easement, so it, it's all up to what Kroger's willing to do. We have started discussions with them. Um, but I don't know what they're going to allow. Um, we kind of got the, well, let me talk to our attorneys and then we'll talk to you again. And like, so, um, but yeah, I mean, we would, I mean, we would definitely be into doing something like that. It's just, I don't, we don't have that control, unfortunately. I understand. So. I, I would hope their attorneys would say, yes, we want to protect people walking through there. You, you yeah. would think so. You would think that they would yeah. be on board with something like that, whether it's, curbed or whether it's painted and signage, um, you know, something of that sort. I'd be curious too, if you had kids uh, who would be riding a bus, where they would meet up with that bus in, in amongst this. Yeah, I imagine the closest spot would be, yeah, they would have to end up going toward Matlock um, and, have, and having a pickup there, uh, right at that, at that entrance off of Matlock would probably be the, the best spot for that. Um, so if there were, you know, children that were living in, in the, in the townhomes with people, um, that would probably be the best spot, kind of like walking down the street and at the end of the block. Right. Do you know, day or night with a winter weather, it can be dark when the kids get off the bus. That just concerns me about that. that. I know it's not in your hands, but certainly do, but do push with Kroger on that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We, okay. we, completely agree with that. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Yep. Thank, thank you. you. Vice Chairman Axon. Yeah, quite the challenge, guys, with the, <laughs> the property here. Um, I do agree with uh, Commissioner Goodwin's comments. It's, you know, you, you've found the, the optimum side to steer people to the shopping center, in my opinion. Uh, but you also face a lot of challenges with the uh, uh, the safety part of, of the walkability, and that's because the the Kroger there has the drive-through lane on that side too for the pharmacy, right? They do. So that, that just brings another level of difficulty in how to how do you steer people the right way through the neighborhood and into the shopping center effectively. Uh, but there's some positives here. Uh, just looking at this back side of the Kroger, there is like a berm. You got kind of kind of a berm coming off the back towards the property, so that helps with visibility for the homeowners that live there and the tree line, the natural tree line that's there. So those are those are good things. Um, the really the only comments that I have are you mentioned, you know, you're you're trying to keep the the price point on the dues in mind for the the folks that live here since it is a small neighborhood. Mm -hmm. I live in a small neighborhood. Our dues are quite high for the amenities that we have, so. Um, 
you know, one suggestion would be to go back and see what you are offering within it. You know, I see a fountain in here, and all I think of is a maintenance nightmare with that. So just a thought, maybe a piece of artwork or something, switching that out to, to bring the cost down. And then with it gated, obviously, that brings cost too. Um, so being, you know, I'm, I'm happy to hear that you guys are being respectful of that and trying to keep that price point and the dues in mind as you're mapping this out. Um, I think the other, I think the only comment I have is just, you know, we, we spent a lot of time at our last meeting talk about, talking about four-sided architecture. And so I want to make sure <laughs> when, we're, when we're looking at the, uh, the elevations for this, this property that we keep that in mind. Because, yes, I fully want the front side, the nice side of this home facing inward, right? That's where we want to create the beauty of the neighborhood. But there needs to be a little bit more focus on, you know, some of the details on the back side as well. Because uh, we do, we, we look at these things in the round now and not just on the front. Sure. I, last, the last meeting, I want to say lipstick on a pig, but I didn't get there. So, uh, and you, you, you certainly don't have that with your neighborhood, uh, your look right, right at this moment. Um, but I think that's it. I, one question I did have is, so on the side where Kroger is, so the side that will face Kroger, will those be two-story or three-story units? Three-story. Three so story. the whole that whole row will be three-story yes, units? The, the okay. two-story just backs up to the single-family homes on the back, back side. So just the row down those, here to yes, on the west end of the property? The two These will okay. be the two stories. All right. Those are my questions. All right. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Mr. Shaw? Mr. Moses? Yes, sir. Um, thank you so much. I really am excited about the project. Uh, I do have a couple of questions, probably more for staff than the developer, but I really think you're on to something and commend you for this. Uh, one, uh, have we received any feedback from the homeowners in Claremont? That's the first question. No, sir. We have not. We've not received any feedback from the adjacent residential. Um, in, uh, notices would have gone out to every individual within 200 feet. Uh, so all of those properties backing up to the, that area did receive notice uh, to this meeting. Okay. And, and the second part, uh, piggybacking on Commissioner Goodwin's comment, and also the, the great remarks I heard about the improving the walkability. And then, uh, and I know Mansfield ISD is going through this redistricting process. And I do understand, or at least I think I understand, that children must live within, or I'm sorry, must live outside of a one-mile radius to ride buses, right? And so on this notion of walkability, the schools that are within that area, in my mind, are within that one-mile area. So with Debbie Lane being such a problematic place for even people like me who sometimes like to walk there, how, how do we overcome that one-mile radius with transportation of children to the schools, particularly the elementary and the what, intermediate and middle schools? It's a very loaded and hard question to, to answer, right? As a parent, as a parent, um, I, I think you're correct. I would feel like walking my child to school. I feel like driving my child to school if those are those instances. I think 
there's a part of walkability that is the, the needed things that you do, like school and work and those types of things. But there's also the leisure things that you do, like shop. And, and I think that that's what this site does really well, which is the ability to, to have access to shopping and access to, you know, they brought up the lifetime fitness uh, adjacent to this project or near this project. Um, as a parent, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a parent of two boys, um, and I would only let them walk to school if I walked them to school in this situation. But I think that those are some of the situations that you always come up across with living in urban scenarios, right? Um, Matlock and Debbie are always going to be arterial roads. They're always gonna be highly traveled roads. Uh, even as a parent of a new driver, I would be concerned about my son exiting uh, onto those same things, but, but those are things that he would have to get comfortable with as a individual user as well. Uh, so it's a very hard question, but I think, I, I hope, you know, Parents use their, you know, brain in these types of things, and I'm not saying that you were thinking that they weren't, right? But I think parents would think of those situations, at least I would think of those situations in, in, if I lived in this, this neighborhood. I don't know if I want to answer that any other well, way. And the only other thing I would, I would add is that I guess it's very similar to the neighbors to the north, neighbors to the west. Those neighborhoods will have to kind of address the same those people living there have to address the same situation because we're all right there together. You know that, uh, where is this? Like these houses over here, I know there's an exit right on, on the Debbie, you know, right out, off, off page here. Um, so kind of they would be in the same scenario, especially, and also with these, uh, the apartments that are to the north of us. Um, and the only other thing I would say it's not impossible, but it's most of the time in my experience of doing multifamily versus single-family residential, you, you don't see a lot of children in multifamily developments. Um, a lot of times people are in that, they want to have the yard, and even though we have this great green space, they want to have their own private yard, or they want the, the single-family experience. That's um, not to say that they wouldn't, but I, I, would, I, would, I would envision maybe not as, I don't think we'll be full of children in our development necessarily, but I definitely think it's important to, um, for those that are there, to focus on that kind of to, to your point as far as access and, and how we can address, you know, I guess if it's not a bus pickup, you know, parents taking care of their children and it, what, doing what's best for them to get them to school in the manner that they need to. Um, but those are the only two things I was going to say. You finished, Mr. Wall? Okay, great. Well, <clears throat> let me first say, gentlemen, I will applaud you for tackling this piece of property. This is certainly a challenge to come up with something that you could put on a piece of property like this that sits behind a, a, a major grocery store like this, and I can see where the challenge could come into play. I do have a few questions for you that I'd like to <clears throat> see if you can give me some answers to. One is, uh, in looking at the elevation of the homes, are these two car garages or are they one car garages? They're two car garages. They're all two all, car all garages. Two car okay, garages. so you'll have the two car garages. Then how many single spaces? How many spaces were you allocating for guests? Uh, what's our total guest count? This isn't. Uh, I don't think Three, this, six, you know, this is it. six. Maybe around twenty or so. 
Is that right? 21? Something like that. Okay. I think we tried to keep it close to like one, one per, either some on the north side. 23. We tried to get it as close to one, one per residence okay. as we could. That, that's 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 fine. Good enough. Thank you and so much. Tucking them in where we could. Yeah. <laughs> and then on the back side of the Kroger, so the, the road that leads, if you go back to the aerial, um, that you can go back to that, that road. Oh, this one here? Yeah. So I'm guessing, I see a big truck back there in the back, so deliveries are coming right down through the same pathway of where these residents are going to be coming and going as they leave the neighborhood, correct? True. Yeah, that's okay. correct. So I think that kind of lends to some of the commissioner's comments earlier in regards to the concern just from a safety perspective. And I, I see what you're dealing with. I understand what you're dealing with. I get it. I know it's going to be a challenge, but that is something that you really want to try to see what kind of relationship you can build with Kroger because you're going to really need them to help you be successful on this project. Definitely. Because there are some challenges that you're facing there. And then I had a question for staff in regards to, well, actually not for staff. I'm sorry. One second. Uh, staff gave two conditions that they wanted based on looking at this project. How do you all feel about those conditions that they've stated? Definitely not a problem on the, uh, definitely not a problem on the, um, the ceiling height. Mm -hmm. uh, that was our plan anyways, uh, was to be over that, that uh, nine foot measurement. Um, do you want to address the uh, windows? Yeah. I mean, our preference would be to not have divided windows, but if that's uh, a requirement, we're totally okay with it. Uh, okay. But yeah, architecturally, we were kind of going a little bit of a different direction, but uh, we're totally okay. Well, I know a lot of new residential homes now don't do divided yeah, windows. Yeah. yeah. I know it's something that they're doing now, but, but um, I understand what this is looking like. So you all are comfortable with working with staff on overcoming these two conditions that they've stated so far? Yes, sir. And then... Uh, uh, for staff, Mr. Rodriguez, I noticed that there's a fence that's already there running behind the Kroger. What's going to be the requirement here? Is, is this one of those where they won't have to have the fence at all, or what, what's going to be the status of this situation? So um, the one indication, and it's something that we did talk to um, the development as they move forward, is um, really the, the fence that we're looking at as being the most important fence is that one that, that shares the property line with the individual property owners to the west, so the single family, right? So we've talked about having a new board-on-board -board fence in that area. Um, yes, a new board-on-board -board fence in that area. That, that would be similar to the residential fence that's there, but also making sure that a, a newer fence is in place so that um, it's maintained longer than what exists today. So that's the only, only requirement the staff has worked with the development team on as far as providing that, that fence there. Okay. All right. Great. Thank you. Okay. Any other questions from uh, the commissioners or comments? Okay. If there are no more, then I'll um, ask for a motion. Mr. Chairman, I move that we accept with the recommendations from staff. Have a motion. Can you, are you including the conditions? So could you uh, make the motion with the conditions? My, my motion include to accept the project and to include these two recommendations from staff. Thank you, sir. We have yes, a sir. motion to approve by Commissioner Moses. We have a second. I'll second. Second by Vice Chairman Axon. Questions? If there are none, if you would, please cast your votes. 
All right, that agenda item carries 7 0. Congratulations, gentlemen. Thank you, Thank you very much. Next, we have item 24-5847, public hearing on a change of zoning from PD Plan Development District for single family to PD Plan Development District for detached and, a single, and, and attached single family residential row houses. Uses on approximately 11.621 acres out of the T. Hanks survey, abstract number 644, and the M. Dickey survey, abstract number 1986, Tarrant County, Texas, located at 801 Lillian Road and 1340 West Broad Street. Joseph Dam Real Estate, developer, zoning case number 23-016. Mr. Rodriguez. All right. <clears throat> Thank you, commissioners. Uh, as stated, this is zoning case 23-016. Uh, this is a, the Lillian Road single family detached and attached project. Um, and staff does this and I want to make sure that, that it's reiterated is um, we want to make sure that when we're talking about single family in a detached standpoint that's something that you would feel from a traditional single family home that's detached from the others attached uh, we bring that up because it's still a single family product in this case we've also heard the term row house townhome all those other types of things I want to make sure that we, we build that relationship to where those are synonymous uh, with each other, but we make that distinction each time because we know that the public's here and we want to make sure that uh, they understand the project at hand. Um, as stated, uh, this project is located on Retta Road. Um, the property is addressed off of Broad Street today because it does um, have parcel own, or parcels that touch uh, on West Broad Street. Uh, but specifically, you can see that the pieces of properties are, are a little bit away from Broad Street uh, because there are some there's some additional property here at the front. Um, what is looking to be rezoned right now is just the areas within the, the red. Um, and they're currently a PD for detached single family. Uh, it's the same PD that exists for the Silver Oak neighborhood to the south. Uh, it was rezoned at the same time. Uh, that is a PD for SF with the base standards of SF 7.5, which would mean 7,500 square foot um, individual lots at a minimum. Um, this here shows that, that uh, PD boundary today. The parcels that are up here are also within the same pieces of property, or the same zoning, um, but those are saved for a uh, commercial use. Uh, the development is on a 11.62 acre site. Uh, there's 86 homes shown, 74 of those are row houses, uh, 12 of those are detached single family. The detached single family is along this southern edge. Uh, the, the remaining uh, development is a row house. Um, these are all mixed alley and front entry garages. Um, as a front entry garage for the detached single family, they're all in the J-swing style, so there's not a garage door that faces the, the front of the street, but they are, uh, uh, they're all J-swings there. Um, from a open space standpoint, um, the program Central Green is located on the larger side of the development, the western side of the development, and you can see it's there. Uh, all of the homes do face that front. You also have homes that face Retta Road on both sides of Retta. Uh, what you see here that is, is sort of grayed out 
is a future Reda project that would be there. Uh, so it's a little bit confusing, but today Reda is just is here. Uh, Reda will become divided as any new um, improvements to Reda occur. Um, the other green spaces are an unprogrammed space over here, as well as a area that's being left in its natural state because it's, um, it's current site drainage. Um, this is a closer look at the landscape plan. The landscape plan, as you can see, provides for trees um, at the front yards of every one of the, develop of one every one of the homes, um, as well as those areas that surround the homes. Um, ultimately, as commercial developed, there would be a shared access way uh, within the, those areas to allow for, for circulation, both from a pedestri pedestrian standpoint, but vehicular as well. Uh, hopefully those would be secondary spot or secondary access points for the vehicular access, as there would be access points on Lillian um, available. Um, I really broke, I really asked the developer for this image here because I think it starts to show you some more of the detail that, that don't always get shown on renderings and uh, renderings are great in showing you a perspective of sort of colors and material usage, uh, but sometimes what's, what gets lost are the details like um, cornice pieces, parapet, parapet caps, uh, soldier course brick, um, just those types of things. Um, the developer, when he gets up here, he'll tell you that he's been dealing with staff for probably the better part of two years on this project. Um, we've discussed a lot of things. Things that we've discussed more recently are those um, design standards that help us provide windows that are proportioned along a building facade to provide for um, the type of traditional single-family homes and, and more specifically the type of traditional attached single-family home uh, elements that you would see within, when, within urban design. Here's the renderings. The renderings take those same types of things. Again, you know, there's always some of those little details that get lost in the rendering just because the shadows aren't shown uh, sometimes. And so that's where you, you miss the soldier courses um, and other corbelled brick type details. Uh, but you can see here how um, the development provides ways to sort of break up the overall mass of the development by, by sort of showing you where those stories begin, right? You, you sort of ultimately divide the development up to where um, it's visually interesting as you get to all three sections of the development. Uh, the developer has provided four different elevations for uh, the single family homes. This shows a single color palette. Those color palettes can change uh, as long as they're utilizing the same materials that are required, which are uh, the materials that, that are shown here, which are masonry uh, for the most part. Um, some of the features that, again, get lost in the renderings are the ability to have access to a rooftop terrace. Um, you can see these stairwells exit out of a, a bedroom on the top floor or a room on the top floor uh, and allow for that access up. Um, again, those are, four, those are four of the elevations that have been provided by the developer. 
Uh, from a single family home standpoint, uh, you can see that they do have two story models uh, that they're looking at. They're pulling those same pallet, uh, that same pallet of materials over into the development. Uh, you can see, and this, this was on, oh, it, I actually cut it off on accident on the other images, but these are all referenced in diagram three of the PD. Um, therefore, uh, whatever we end up ending on with uh, building materials and building styles are things that we'll capture and make sure that, that are uh, applicable to this development. So they're all found within diagram three of the PD. Um, in looking at some of the developments and, and working with the developer on what we're trying to bring, right? We talked about, you know, Try, trying to bring some of those traditional elements where the windows line up throughout the building, where you start breaking up the building into uh, definite stories, right? You know where the ground floor is. You know where those different floors are based on architectural elements that repeat. Uh, in this case, you do see the sort of jutting in and out of the, the development. Um, that occurs. Here as well, uh, you can see some of the ins and outs that occur. You can see the shadows that occur here where these two are set inside. So again, trying to bring some of those elements that we've seen in other developments uh, and, and all uh, aspire to, to have here in Mansfield. Um, I wanna go through sort of the evolution of a project. I did say that uh, we've been working with this developer for the better part of two years. Um, you can see that uh, the first iteration of this development looked at Retta Road with a series of cul-de-sacs so that you can have duplex-type development uh, throughout the, the, uh, the development there. Um, here are some of the elevations that came along with that first iteration. When, when we shifted and went towards uh, row houses, as, as one of our goals is to bring um, more missing middle housing to areas that, that need housing type and housing choice type. Um, the townhomes that came out of our first discussions were the townhomes that you see here. So, so you can see these townhomes here and they, they, they don't meet those uh, traditional architectural standards or, or details that we've seen throughout the development. Probably very successful other places uh, it's not what staff wanted to see, and so we've been working with the developer back and forth again for quite some time now, trying to get the architecture right here. Um, with that said, if approved, the Department of Planning and Development Services would encourage the consideration of the following conditions, and that's that the building elevations of the attached single family, so the row houses, uh, shall meet the design and elevation control requirements depicted in diagram three of exhibit C. I stated earlier that diagram three is that, that diagram that shows all of the elevations. So we wanna make sure that whatever we come down, whatever we come up with from a final product uh, ends up being what gets built as opposed to being shown things and things getting built that, that look differently than that. Um, a second condition that the masonry requirement found in the architectural standards uh, in exhibit C be adjusted to reflect the materials shown in the provided row house elevations. Staff brings this condition up because we were working on these elevations up until, uh, I wanna say Thursday of last week. Uh, you can actually see from my staff report that I wrote the staff report in the middle of actually reviewing these elevations. Uh, and so 
Um, when Jason and I went back, took a look at the PD standards, the PD standards still reference um, only 50% masonry is required. Uh, you can see that the elevations are much more than 50% uh, masonry, so we want to make sure we capture that as we move forward. Um, as you saw within the other development, that the minimum height of the first story of each row house dwelling be nine feet, and that's really about setting that, that standard height for the ground floor, or ground floor portion of the unit, and that no two detached single-family residences shall be designed or constructed to have the same front building elevation, and that no more than one garage door be permitted to front any thoroughfare. Um, and I think what that's trying to state is I know we're looking at 12 detached single-family homes, and in some instances, not everybody's a fan of J-Swing garages. Uh, and so we want to make sure that there are those accommodations to allow for different garage styles as we move forward. We also know that we can't capture everything in our elevations today, right? So we want to make sure that we're allowing for PD standards that allow for some flexibility. But as you can see, the main key here is that those single-family homes have different characteristics and so that it doesn't read as a bunch of the same home. Um, the developer has already put provisions in their PD that state no two home designs will be next to each other. I think we just want to make sure that we solidify that language a little bit more. But with that, those are staff's recommendations and we're available for any questions um, after the public hearing. Thank you, sir. Uh, we have one card for the applicant and um, I know I would butcher your name. I think it's C-A-N-O-V-D-A. Okay, come on up, sir. I apologize. If you would give your name and address for the record. Uh, my name is Federico Canoda. I live in 390 East Oakenwall, apartment 134, Dallas, Texas, 75203. Um, I am the lead designer, not the uh, developer myself, but I do represent him. I created the site plan based on the uh, future land use for the city of Mansfield, and those were the, our main concerns is the site plan design. We're always able to adjust the architectural features to make sure that we meet the uh, criteria from the city, and we've been working really hard making sure that we accomplish that. Uh, but one of the main points in the, in the design itself uh, was looking at the previous third plan that we have uh, from before the last one was approved in this past December, uh, and it was kind of vague where this area is located, which is the Western Promise. Um, but one of the main points was trying to create a lot of landscape and a lot of like connectivity between the existing residential neighborhood that is on the south side of it to what eventually will be the commercial that is on the north side of it. Uh, we realized that keeping the single family PD uh, will be a more abrupt kind of connection and we are trying to integrate one of the concepts that is called the missing middle housing which allows for a little bit more density but also to buffer some of that heavy commercial into a more middle dense to a low density kind of development. So we wanted to make sure that uh, landscape was a, was a big part of it. The developer really likes the open areas and we wanted to make sure that every facade was facing some kind of landscape uh, other than the one that is facing Reda. But Reda is such a, is, will eventually be such a, a major road in a way that that itself kind of helps uh, have, a, have a nice view of, of the townhomes that are facing Reda itself. But every other one is going to be facing either like um, on the west side 
the landscape in the world not touching where the draining is coming at will be just filled. There's already trees there and there is a little creek that runs by. On the opposite side, we are creating an actual landscape space to create a little bit more space between the units so they don't feel so multifamily. And that's one of the reasons why we also broke some of these buildings into four units and five units and not try to keep like eight or um, higher density all together. Um, other than that, we really try to accommodate and we feel like in a way we are getting closer to accomplish that Western Promise and commercial corridor uh, going from higher density into a lower density and we're just excited to kind of present our proposal and I'm here to answer any questions you guys may have. Okay, thank you, sir. We'll now open the public hearing at 7.07 p.m. And we do have one card from Mr. Welchell. Sir, if you would, please state your name and address for the record. Kevin Welchell, 913 Hondo Lane in the DR Horton track. And I would just like to start off with, I hope every one of you drove in through that track and have looked at those piece of crap homes that are built there and the drainage. And hopefully it doesn't happen with on the backside of these houses. My concern is the traffic coming in and out of the place. I've already been hit. I've been here a little over a year. I came from LA and the people speeding and I know the roundabout has already been talked about, but it's, this whole thing is going to be a traffic jam. You got people, people are coming in, they're not even from Mansfield. They live outside of Mansfield. So there's not going to be any type of um, control over those people coming in on Lillian, on um, Broad, coming in on Retta. Now you got all the new homes being built over there on Retta, right? How many homes are going to be built there? Does anybody know? Because I don't know. So there's going to be a whole lot, of, whole lot there coming in, besides all the traffic coming in off of, um, north of, on Retta. It's uh, going to be two or four lanes on Retta going through. You said you didn't know what it was going to be there, so it's either two or four lanes each, each way. So you got all that traffic going out there to, um, to the new uh, studio that's going to be put out there. So you're going to have all that traffic going back and through, forth. And then you want to put all these homes to come out onto, onto Lillian, onto, I'm not sure what you said, Red or Broad. There's no way that that's going to happen. You're going to have a roundabout there, and you're just going to have back-to-back -back traffic the whole time. Now you're going to put these taller condos, townhomes, whatever you want to call them there, out of, just outside the city, which is only about a quarter of a mile, you got people shooting, you got a gun range, you got people there shooting all the time in the middle of the night. You got people racing. Like this uh, gentleman said earlier, it's very unsafe. You, the city allowed a U-turn right there to help people. It's not even wide enough for a car to be there. And people are swerving the mist of people are making U-turns there. Th that gentleman couldn't even come out of his driveway. The amount of cars you're going to be having coming off of Retta, when you put the new road through, coming off north, when you put all those new houses in, 
and now you want to stack all those houses right there on the corner. You, it's, it's just not going to, it's just not going to work. It's not going to be safe for anybody coming in and out of that place. And people are going to be pissed off like he said. You know, you're going to have a roundabout, and you even got semis. City council member, uh, what was it? I think it was Casey told me, oh, the semis don't come down there. Yeah, they do. They come down constantly down Broad Street. And you're going to have semis. You already had them taken out the power pole there at Red Air. There's been three or four accidents since I've been there. So you're, now you're going to have people all pissed off. It's going to be back. You're going to be like a big city. You're making this, this town into a big city. People come here because they like the small town. Your city council's going off all these places. You're going to move the fire station. You're doing a lot of stuff here that's ruining the city, this actually small town right now. But I oppose it 100%. So do my neighbors. You put a, you put a sign this big on Retta. Planned on changing zoning. This big. I made a call. I never got a phone call back. Call this number. Never happened. So... And then you only send out 200 feet from the proposed development. But how about all the other people that are involved back there? Like me, I, didn't get a, I, had, to, I had to have somebody tell me that this meeting was today. And no, I don't need to go to the, the whatever star to find out if you've changed the meeting date or whatever, because I don't do that. And I don't even like getting on my phone and social media. But. It's almost like you didn't send out enough of those notices to everybody. As you can see, these people here, that's all that's here. Because nobody else got notices except people within 200 feet. That's ridiculous. That's like you're trying to keep people from coming in here, talking to you to tell you how pissed off they are, because they are, that that development's talking about going in there. That's all I have to say, because I get a little. Thank you, sir. Do we have any other additional cards? Thank you. Cynthia Bonner, please state your name and address for the record, please. Good evening. Evening. My name is Cynthia Bonner. I live at 800 Lillian Road. My family lives at 808 Lillian Road, 856 Lillian Road, and 1509 uh, Broad Street. We own about seven acres right across from this development. I'm speaking on behalf of my neighbors who weren't informed of this meeting tonight and on behalf of us who've been on the west side. My family alone has been there since the 50s, long enough for my great-grandfather to have a street named after him. And um, since the new development's been there, uh, there has been a lot of changes, um, particularly our taxes, okay? The more you build, the more roofs that go up, the higher our taxes are. And eventually, we will not be able to afford them. And that's extremely unfortunate, especially considering my grandfather broke his back to build that property, to leave something for his children, for us to build off of. And because of everything that's coming this way, we're just barely making it by, not only myself, but my neighbors as well. Um, the height of these buildings, when you grow up looking across the street and you're looking at fields, you're looking at cows, you've ran in those fields, you've planted 
uh, vegetables in those fields. Miss Walker, you know, we were, we're all good friends and neighbors. We eat cantaloupes and all kinds of stuff over there. It's hard to see. It's hard to see what it is now. And um, we're used to peace and quiet. That's what we're used to on the west side. We're not used to traffic. Um, we're not used to uh, people not respecting what our ancestors have built. We're not used to all this trash. They drive, they just throw trash. They call in the city on us because we're not part of the HOA. We never have been and we never will be. We live different. We live according to city code, but we live different. And we, the city's constantly coming out. You need to do this, you need to do that. You're getting complaints, da, 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 da. And we never had that problem before. And so it has been a lot of changes. And myself and my neighbors, you're dealing with men who work with their hands. They're gonna be outside doing real man work to make a living for their families. And they're constantly getting complained on. And that's not fair to them. You know, not everyone has a, has a degree. You know, to the ones who do each their own. But when you live on that side, you're gonna run into that a lot. You're gonna see a lot of men out there doing a lot of stuff, hauling, farming, stuff of that nature, and we're having constant complaints. And I'm afraid that that's gonna continue with the more people who aren't familiar with this lifestyle that we live um, come, when they come into our neighborhood. And back to the buildings. Um, Three stories in front of us, I mean, it, I, I can't even fathom it, you know, and uh, they're, they're not that pleasant to look at, all due respect. Um, they're, they're hideous. Um, and so we, 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 we don't like it. And we know y'all are going to do what you want to do anyway, but we don't like it. And we are being affected by it. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Any additional cards? It's now 7.16 p.m. and we will close the public hearing. I'll open it up for commissioner comments and questions. Start to my left. None? Commissioner Bennett? Okay. To my right. Where's the movie studio property? Um, anyway, you could show me. Um, let me think about the best way to, to get to that point. Uh, the movie theater property is going to be, it's well off map here. Um, to the south? To the south, closer to the Amazon facility. Uh, if you're familiar with that, it would be right in that general area there. Is Retta going to run down to it? Um, I would need to pull up the, MP, the master thoroughfare plan in order to, to fully verify that. Looking at the way Retta ends today, uh, as I as stated earlier, there is a. You can see today that there is available right of way to do an additional two lanes. Uh, so yes, Retta should continue down further to the south. Retta will also consider uh, will continue further to the north as well as the the master thoroughfare plan develops. 
Uh, it is an arterial uh, road by function, uh, and that's why the additional two lanes are available there for right-of-way. And, and just to point out what I mean there is today there are two lanes that, that head this way and end here. Uh, you can see that there is available right-of-way to also build an additional two lanes, and it would be a divided um, roadway as it continues down to the south. Uh, as far as understanding the timeline of that, um, I apologize, I don't have the, the timeline of, of those improvements. Um, I think we, we talked a little bit before during the uh, public comments about overall intersection improvements that are uh, to occur there. There is the timeline associated with that because that's a project that's currently under design uh, today. Um, but you can, I wanted to make sure to point out that there are two lanes existing today. There's right of way for an additional two lanes. Uh, that's what the site plan shows as well. Um, and I wasn't trying to, to not describe this, but you can see that's the current roadway. That's the future extent of the overall improvements through there. Uh, so Commissioner Axon, uh, I apologize for not knowing the, the timeline or those types of things, but Retta is meant to go further south, uh, and it is on the thoroughfare plan. Yeah, I think my main question was just trying to figure out what, what main thoroughfares that are showing me here are going to be close to the, that development yeah. to the south. Um, other than that, I, you said y'all have been spending two years on these elevations, roughly? So, um, as stated, that, that time frame also uh, goes also to the overall site plan development. Um, so again, the initial project that came in uh, was for the, the duplex project. As you can see, the, the cul-de-sacs there, uh, was that, that was a problematic site plan from our standpoint uh, because there was no ability to sort of circulate around the, the development. Um, it also caused issues uh, along Retta and the connection points that are there. And so it wasn't ideal. So when I bring up the two-year time frame, I'm talking about going back to the idea of the townhome, I mean, of the, the duplexes there. Uh, it was the development application that came in with the current site plan that you see today, but with the renderings that you see here on the um, bottom left-hand side of that slide. Um, so in, in, in working with the developer, right, we did talk to them about uh, developments that we've seen in Serenby, uh, like this, this image shows here, and trying to bring a lot of these classical elements to the project. Um, I think the developer has tried to, to meet these elevations. I think you're seeing what, um, what they've been able to provide us to date. Uh, if, if the commission uh, does have some some feedback for the developers so they understand that, you know, getting to the, the types of elevations and the types of projects that we've seen is, is important, which I know it is because we talk about it quite often. Uh, I want to make sure that the, that, that the developer hears that as well uh, because I think that those are things that uh, we've been making attempts to move forward. I think we're getting much closer than we were. Again, looking at, um, oops some of the, the evolution of the project, right? Um, looking at what I see on the bottom left-hand side there, so these two images here, um, 
I've heard some of these comments from the commission already, right? I've heard the comments about uh, townhome projects that look like multifamily projects. I've heard the comments about townhome projects that don't follow um, you know, traditional neighborhood design standards and design elements. And so those are the kinds of things that we've worked tirelessly to get the elevations to where we are now. Um, again, I would ask the commission to provide any of that feedback to the developer if they do have that feedback. Okay, yeah, I'm, I guess I'm just not, I'm not excited about these elevations to be honest with you. Um, they are an improvement, I will say that, from the previous iterations and the, the single family elevations, a few of them, you know, they look attractive to me, but the multi-fan or the row housing look doesn't, because I guess I'm a, I'm a sucker for more contrast than what's being shown here. Um, and I think it's mainly probably the, you know, the material side of it, offering a little bit more contrast there, <clears throat> like the brick look. But um, the other items, you know, they're not too bad. Kind of looks like a school building, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, so we've heard a lot of concerns tonight from the locals about traffic. I think that is a concern of mine, given what we discussed earlier about the conditions there at Broad Street and Redder Road. Uh, Lillian kind of plays into that too, not directly with this development, but um, it is quite an odd angle that it comes in there at Broad Street uh, for what is intended to go in there with the roundabout. So um, I do share those concerns. And then really, you know, we're following that transition look, right? So is, I know you may not be able to answer this question already, but I know that the front front property pieces of the property right here at front Broad Street, those are gonna be for commercial use. Yes, sir. Um, I'm just wondering what, you know, what is the other, what do the other quadrants around Broad Street look like? Do they look like commercial as well? Is that gonna be commercial that can support, you know, our, a denser look here with, uh, with housing? I, I don't know. Um, this developer does not uh, have development rights to those pieces of property. Uh, that's a separate property owner. Um, I think what we've heard from a, a staff standpoint and from a city standpoint is we've done things like the Mansfield 2040 plan are the need for additional type uses on the west hands, on the west side. Um, and I'm gonna be more specific with that phrase to say, you know, we've talked about in other developments the, the uh, aspect of bringing markets to the area, of bringing commercial in general, uh, because the commercial seems to stop at a certain point on Broad Street. And so bringing those uses, right, I, I think something else that, that staff and what, what the commission have heard over time are that, um, um, this was something that somebody told me one time, right? If you're happy with the commercial that you have, be happy with the homes that you have today because it's the new rooftops that start bringing the new commercial. Again, this is why as Broad Street has come up with, um, you know, there are projects down the road where, where we've been insistent on 
saving the Broad Street frontage for commercial type uses. I think that's what we would urge everybody who came to this site is to make sure that they're saving these areas that have already been planned for commercial to be maintained as commercial as we move forward. Um, I know that's not quite answering your, your question, but what I really want to say is I think the intent here is for us to make sure we're bringing commercial uses out to the, the western edge of the city. Okay, thank you. Other questions or comments? Yes, sir, Mr. Yes. Chairman. I, I'm wrestling with, with this notion and for some reason. Right, so I've been in Mansfield for about 24, going on 24 years. And I've always heard that the western part of Mansfield has been neglected, ignored. And so as we go back to around December when council approved the 2040 plan, did we get any feedback from the western portion of Mansfield on some of our way forward in some of this urbanism in moving the city forward in the land usage? Uh, <clears throat> yes, sir. Um, not only did the Mansfield 2040 plan look at just overall future land use designations for the city, um, the Mansfield 2040 plan also uh, looked more specifically at special areas. Um, the special area for the western uh, portion of the city was, was um, named the Western Promise, and that is because we do have a promise to bring uh, development to the west side, as you said, uh, to make sure that we're not neglecting the uses that, that go out there. Uh, and so not only just through the 2040 plan, but there were special area plan committees that were formed as well with the Mansfield 2040 plan to garner feedback about future development. Uh, specifically, and it's shown within my staff report, uh, there's a portion in the Western Promise that says that new development should foster complete communities and residential neighborhoods and foster mixed-use development uh, and promote a wider variety of housing in the area. Um, that's one of the, the, the uh, strategies found within the Western Promise uh, special area plan. Uh, within the Mansfield 2040 goals and strategies, um, overall uh, for this designation, um, it states that, that we should encourage inclusive housing options, uh, including uh, townhomes, uh, support our existing neighborhoods, and establish infill development that focus, focuses on compatibility and scale and density with surrounding developments. I think that's what the development has tried to do by allowing that buffer on the southern edge to still maintain that detached single-family uh, buffer there and to support vibrant intensity, and that's to consider high-intensity residential developments when paired with horizontally integrated non-residential. Uh, again, uh, I know this developer is not bringing forth a commercial component of this development, but is still allowing the front area of the development to provide that commercial uh, connection there. So uh, those are some of the things that are, are found in the, the detail in the staff report that I wanted to make sure uh, we put out there as well. I have a couple of questions in regards to, um, and I know that Commissioner Axon kind of asked about Rutta Road and you weren't sure of a timeline. 
if we continue to have developments coming out that way and listening to what the citizens are saying that they're not being properly notified um, in their opinion, is there a way to give a estimated timeline of future developments possibly coming in or road construction to residents out there other than a public hearing? So earlier, I, I, and I apologize, I left my piece of paper up here. I'm gonna... So specifically, uh, earlier I had brought up um, the Mansfield Public Works uh, roadway projects page. Uh, there is a portion there on the West Broad uh, Street improvements. Uh, as far as the red road improvements go, I need to verify whether right. whether those are on there. Yeah. That exists today. I want to make sure that everybody realizes that that the notification process doesn't hinder the ability to to go and look at those projects. I think that that's okay. a that's an appropriate spot to understand those improvements as they're coming forward. Okay. Uh, I, I also want to make sure that I state. Each project, and I know I've stated this before, but I want to make sure that the, the audience also hears, each project that comes in is reviewed by our development review committee and our plat review committee. Uh, that is a committee made up of uh, all of our infrastructure groups, so our public works group, our engineering group, our fire department, our parks department, our planning department. Um, I'm probably missing a few there, but that's the bulk of them. Um, and the reason why I bring that up is to state when a project conflicts with the existing roadways, um, that committee makes sure to state, hey, there are some improvements you're going to have to do as a development. Right. I think the city understands that overall for uh, transportation improvements in the, the region of the western area, right, that there are improvements that the city needs to make from a capital improvement standpoint. And these are all projects that I'm, the projects that I'm saying are on the Mansfield Public Works roadway pages are all capital projects. So those are, those are projects that the, the city is looking at sponsoring. I hope that was getting to some of the detail uh, you were wanting. Yes, to. that was helpful. Um, can you just uh, give clarification Possibly, since we, you know we do have an audience in regards to the, I think it's state standard as for as far as notifications for planning uh, or zoning ordinance changes. I, I want to do that, and I also want to talk about some of the things that we do outside of that. Okay. Um, so there are state requirements that require that every case that comes before y'all. Um, gets published in the newspaper of general circulation. Uh, so we submit a advertisement to the Star-Telegram for each one of these cases. Again, that's a requirement by state law. State law also requires that we notify every property owner within a 200 feet radius of any pro property or of any rezoning. Now, an individual talked a little bit earlier about the, the sign that was placed. Those are courtesy notices, right? And I'm not saying that, that that's enough or that we can't do anymore. But what I'm saying is we do have individuals within our staff that go out and place signs um, on pieces of property to notify of zoning changes. Even outside of that, we do have a development projects map on our website today where we take every case that comes in for application and put that on the, on the website as well. Um, 
I wish we had more ways to notify the public of those resources being there. But on the website, again, if you just put in the search feature, uh, development project map, uh, you'll get a listing of all of the projects. If you click it, you'll get a small description as well as the staff person who's in charge of that project's contact information to discuss the project further. Okay, that answered my question. Um, can we go back to the slide with the development that had just the single family resident pictures? It just had the, the this nope. here, oh. No, oh. yes, this, nope, yes. Okay. <laughs> so this is probably more for the developer. Is this a proposed rendering of a single family residence with the J-Swing garage? Yes, uh, every driver will come in and then the, the garage doors are from the side. Mm -hmm. That was an effort to avoid having front facing garages. Okay, uh, and then I noticed the row houses too. Um, uh, one, I think that you have a unique style, and I think that um, I personally like it, but I do think it probably takes a unique buyer, and I think maybe in this area, given the location and given the current development that's already there, which is Dear Horton Homes, it's more of a traditional look, so it may behoove you to work a little bit more with staff and try to just rework some of it because I, while I think it would do really well in, you know, uptown, um, it may not bode as well down here. And I think it would be an extreme contrast as you're driving through that demo development to see such a change from style from what you're proposing to another development. Does that make sense? Definitely. Um, trying to include, you know, the neighborhood that is on the south side of it, maybe that's some architectural pieces that we can take to ease the transition between what's happening with the townhomes into that single family residential. Obviously we have a style, the client likes certain style as well, but accommodating to the city's needs and to urban designing is more important for us. So we are currently still working through some of those architectural features when it comes to both the townhomes and the single family residential, trying to make sure that we get there. Yes. Um, as I say, I wanna <laughs> just uh, point out, I was brought in here about a year ago for just the townhome and the single family buffer being created between the existing south side uh, development that is there. Um, I wasn't there previously for what was happening with the duplexes or, or anything else. But the last set of renderings was turning last Thursday. So we are still continuously working and taking criticism from members of the staff, the city, uh, and making sure that we accommodate to city council. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be a good project. The only other thing on why I asked to this page to be brought up is in regards to the construction or really the outline of the J-Swing garage compared to where your front door is. Um, I just think maybe, this is just personal, but maybe the garage door does needs to be farther back or the garage needs to be set farther back so that way there's more clear access to the front door and it would provide a little bit more architectural difference as you're just driving by and give a little bit more depth to the structure of the home. 
We can definitely accomplish pushing the garage in, but that will force the door to be front face. Uh, no, 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 still keep oh. it, yeah, side, but maybe somehow rework it a little bit. So you okay. just have your front door and then your garage door right there. And it just seems, um, it's very streamlined, yeah. but maybe a little bit more character. That works, taking into consideration. We're working with a 50 feet facade and a five feet okay. setback it's on both hard. sides, which gives us a 40 feet yeah. uh, length, and then the garage is 22 feet worth of that. So we're left with about 18 feet worth of uh, entrance facade. But that's definitely something that we can do, try to articulate the entrance and emphasize more into that area. Yeah, that's all I had, thank you. Commissioner Goodwin. Artie, could you uh, scroll back to the top where you have the uh, staff's recommendations on this? Just recap those for us real quick, please. Do you want me to recap them? Okay. No. Uh, so that is that the building elevations of the attached single-family residence shall meet the design and elevation control requirements depicted in diagram three of exhibit C. Again, just making sure that Ultimately, that the elevations end up being what we um, bring into the, the, the past ordinance, the adopted ordinance, um, that the masonry requirement found in the architectural standards in Exhibit C be adjusted to reflect the materials shown in the provided row house elevations. I stated earlier that today it states in the PD that it's 50% masonry. Again, that's just something that in working on new elevations and getting PD language, it's something we still can, can make a change on, uh, that the minimum height of the first story of each row house dwelling be nine feet, uh, and that no two detached single family residence, residences shall be designed or constructed to have the same front building elevation and no more than one garage door be permitted to front any thoroughfare. Thank you. Uh, for the applicant, I would say that I think you, you, you still have a ways to go on the architecture of the, of the buildings. Um, I'm just not a fan of the look that they present today, especially with where we're trying to go as a city right now in regards to the elevations of the homes. I think that uh, you, all, you all certainly have accomplished some things along the way, but there's still some work to be done. And I think working closely with the city, hopefully you can get to where these would be at an acceptable point for the city as we go forward. Um, Mr. Rodriguez, I do have a question for you in regards to the property itself. So there's a single family development that is directly behind this property, this 11 acres. Uh, do you know, and you may not have the answer to this, but do you know why those 11 acres were excluded from that single family development? I've been given a little bit of the history and I think that there was ownership changes, but at, at the last moment that owner of this property here asked to be a part of the PD uh, and then just extended the boundary of, of that residential there. Uh, so I, I apologize for not knowing the, That's okay. the full story. Again, uh, it's a zoning case that dates back quite a few years. Okay, so that single family development has been there for, I guess it broke down maybe three, four years ago? Yes, sir. Somewhere in that area? Have you had anyone else that has come with a plan for that property since that single family development went in? Um, no, sir. Um, the developer that Federico is representing, uh, he came in with a different development team uh, on the 
duplex project, but that's the that's the only two projects that I've ever um, heard on this piece of property. Okay, and the property that is in the front that that, that borders uh, Broad Street, do you know the size of those two properties that are left for commercial? Um, no, sir, not off the top of my head. I can find that information out, you know, super okay. quick. I could just. Um, I think uh, one is three and the other one is two. Well, two and three. Five, five acres. Five acres. Them. Okay. 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 So, in your professional opinion, Mr. Rodriguez, that eleven acres, um, there really hasn't been a lot of attention to it in regards to trying to develop single-family development on it. Um, no, sir. And I, I, if if you looked at the site plan for the the duplex site, I think that they were trying to do as much as you could do in order to get lots on there. So I think as a single family development, you would see something very similar to what you what you see in this duplex site plan. Uh, and that's for a couple of reasons. Um, this development here utilizes alleys um, and the roadways aren't the city's standard uh, widths, right? And so you, when you're looking at the When you're looking at this layout, right, mm -hmm. as you are trying to make room for lots, you would end up being end up being left with these horseshoes there in two roadways, two actual city rights of ways that are very, very close together, uh, and so that was problematic from a site design standpoint from with our. Uh, uh, engineering department mm -hmm. and so we've tried to work on a site plan that allows for uh, appropriate connections to Retta Road but also allows for appropriate development along that area but to answer your question more specifically we haven't seen single-family developers coming in for this property okay and when this development was discussed with other city staff departments uh, what was the feedback? Can you share some feedback in regards to the traffic, the way RED is designed today, as to the feedback you received from those departments? Um, so again, I, I think making sure that this development matched up with any future design that came forward was something that our, our uh, uh, public works group was, was specifically asking for. I don't feel that from their professional opinion, they felt that enough traffic was generated from this size development mm -hmm. in order to warrant those improvements prior to this development coming in because they make those recommendations when they're necessary. Uh, with that said, looking at the timeline that we already talked about with the intersection improvements at Broad Street, if that stays on schedule, it sounds like, uh, you know, by third quarter of 25, some of those improvements would be uh, constructed already. And so, I, I want to make sure that, that I also state they may have been weighing that as well with some of their recommendations is that, hey, we're already on the path of making some of the improvements. I will say we've talked to some commercial developers uh, along, the, uh, along the two pieces of property at the north uh, just in 
very conceptual development review committee meetings. Uh, those are meetings that happen every Wednesday with staff and developers who are interested in, a in pieces of property. And they've been interested on, in, on intersection improvements there because they know how difficult it would be to get into the, the commercial without those improvements. So I think everything um, ultimately needs those improvements to occur from an intersection standpoint. Uh, but okay. Uh, okay, that's fine. And then for the applicant, so obviously you, you have to get the approval through planning and zoning, move on to city council. Once you have approval, what is your timeline in regards to when you will be constructing this development? Uh, that's a discussion that we would also like to get started in regards to how do we face out a project of this magnitude. I don't know if it's something that the, the, the owner of the lower developer would like to do all at once or if it can be like phased out, like let's just say, let's worry about one side already at first then maybe the part designation on the other side, and then we'll go into the other side when the new road is being uh, ready to, to be built so we can accommodate some of those buildings. But we haven't gotten that far ahead yet to kind of see how the building portion of it will fade out. I know that from an engineering perspective and architectural perspective, once it's approved from city council, we're probably looking at like five to six months just to kind of go into construction permit and then however long it will take for them to start the infrastructure first, of course, of the alley roads and so on, grading. So I think we're looking well within a year before any of this is probably... Within a year before you start the... Okay. No. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Already who's building Rutter Road? Is the developer building it or is the city building it? The building which road? It's already there. The, it's already there. Yeah. So, these here? Yeah. Will there be any street improvements as part of the, as part of the development? On Redder Road, this is my question. It's ours. Okay. We, we build all the roads, and I believe that in regards to Reda, uh, the developer puts the money on a bond, and eventually, when the city is ready to uh, start building that, they will take that money from the bond and pay for that as well. Okay. That's correct. But the rest of the infrastructure and everything else is on the developer to, to improve. Okay. Other questions or comments? If not, I think we're ready for a motion. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Call for a motion. Mr. Chairman, um, just given the conversation on this, this zoning case and uh, the comments that have been made on the elevations, um, I don't know what more we'll learn about on the traffic side of this, but um, I would like to understand a little bit more on the phasing of the project. So with the the discussions, ongoing discussions and concerns brought up tonight about the elevations and understanding the traffic phase. My recommendation is to table this until the next PNZ meeting for those things to get hashed out. Okay. We have a motion on the table, on the board to table until the next planning and zoning meeting by Vice Chairman Axon. Second. 
Second by Commissioner Thompson. Questions? Do you need any clarification on the request? I'm just just want to. No, check. I don't. No, I don't. But I want to make sure that I, I state out loud uh, when that next hearing get, hearing date is. That's February 19th. Mm -hmm. Is that enough time already for you, um, for y'all to meet with them and discuss? That's definitely enough time. I can make sure that somebody from our public works and engineering group is here to talk a little bit more detail uh, on those items that we've we've discussed uh, from an elevation standpoint. I think what I would ask for is some specific direction on some of the changes that can occur. I think from what I've heard is that um, they're close, but that there, there need to be some changes that are there. Uh, I think one of the comments that came up earlier was uh, there's not enough variation between the units. And so I don't know if that means between the, between the individual units, you would like to see a material change. I know in some of the, some of the renderings, uh, they've actually taken different color brick in between the units. Is that some of the improvements that need to be better solidified or, or, or shown a little bit more in a little bit more detail? Uh, that was my comment, but I'm going to defer to Commissioner Thompson's comments about the traditional look of what's there versus what the, the more modern look that this has. Yeah, I so, do agree that, you know, given the location, what would make more sense? I'm glad you reminded me of that comment because I want to make sure because um, what I'm hearing is not only more of a traditional aspect of the townhomes, but also the, the detached single family mm -hmm. needs to pull some more traditional elements into it uh, just to make sure there's a better transition there. Yeah. Just for the location, I think where it's at, yeah. Okay. No, I think you're, from my perspective, you're clear. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mr. Ch Mr. Chairman, just part of question. Part of question, if parliamentary procedures permit. I'm wondering uh, if we also can ensure that we go beyond that general circulation, since we are here to serve the citizens of Mansfield, uh, to get uh, broader feedback uh, from those individuals, those communities that are surrounding that area. Um, I, I can see what's possible, um, and I'll have those discussions with, with management. Uh, are you asking for additional? Commissioner Moses, we could, you, you can make the comment. We can't put it in the motion. Well, part of the question. Okay. You, you can make the comment that you would like to see that happen, but it's, it's not a part of the motion for tonight. Absolutely. But, but yeah. if tabling, I'm wondering with the question perspective, that uh, the law says general circulation, one source of media outlet. A number of people no longer utilize that proper. And so I'm wondering if there's an opportunity as we table so that members of the public can come out and have more conversation with us. So they, they will have that opportunity at the next planning and zoning meeting, mm -hmm. but there would not be a session more so like a town no, 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 hall no, meeting or anything no, 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 to have discussion. Right, right. No. My question is with this tabling motion, uh -huh. is there a way for, uh, for the city to allow the citizens to know that we're having the next meeting and going beyond the general circulation based on the law. Um, May not make sense, but I'm just wondering. Yeah, let me, let me go back and, and talk to staff and, and look at the, the resources that we have. Um, I'm, I'm trying to look for a resource that's not uh, uh, something that, that 
we'll continue to look for some, some resources. Okay. Yes. Okay. We have a motion and a second. Are there further questions or comments? If not, please cast your votes. Motion to table carries 7-0. Next on the agenda, we have a summary of city council actions. Mr. Rodriguez, is that you? You've got it all tonight, sir. Yes, sir, I do. And um, fortunately, we have not had a, a city council meeting since the last time we met as a commission. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have anything to, to report there. Okay, thank you, sir. All right, we'll move to item number nine, commission announcements. Uh, we'll start with Commissioner Thompson. Uh, oh, gosh. I don't have any. All right, Commissioner Goodwin. <laughs> I will be cruising the Caribbean at the next meeting. Oh. Vice Chairman Axon. Uh, just uh, go 49ers. Oh, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> Commissioner Bennett. Commissioner Shaw. Just that Valentine's Day is around the corner next week. <laughs> <laughs> and Commissioner Moses. Y yes, sir. We will celebrate Valentine's only if the Kansas City Chiefs win. Uh, <laughs> now, I like that, my brother. I'm with you on that one. That's all I'll add, too. <laughs> all right. Any staff announcements? Um, no. The only announcement that we do... The only announcement that we do have is that, and we've already discussed it, the next meeting is on um, February 19th. Okay, all righty. All right. I have a motion to adjourn? I move to adjourn. Commissioner Shaw, second by Commissioner Moses. Please cast your votes. Screen is black. Passes 7-0. We're adjourned at 7.55 p.m. Thank you all.